Chapter Nine of Fern's Hollow. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Fern's Hollow by Hesba Stretton. Chapter Nine Homeless. Of course, Stephen's brief term of favor with Black Thompson was at an end. But whether Miss Anne had given him a hint that the boy was under her protection and had confessed all to her, or because he might be busy in some deeper scheme of wickedness, he did not display as much anger as Stephen expected when he refused to show him the haunts of the grouse or go with him again on a poaching expedition stephen was more humble and vigilant than he had been before falling into temptation he set a close watch upon himself lest he should be betrayed into a self-confident spirit again and tim's loud praises sounded less pleasantly in his ears so that one evening he told him with much shame into what sin he had been led by his desire to avenge snip's murder unfortunately this disclosure so much heightened tim's estimation of his character that from time to time he gave utterance to mysterious hints of the extraordinary courage and spirit stephen could manifest when occasion required these praises were however in some measure balanced by martha's taunts and reproaches at home the shooting season had commenced and the lord of the manor was come with a number of his friends to shoot over the hills and plantations he was a frank pleasant-looking gentleman but far too grand and high for stephen to address though he gazed wistfully at him whenever he chanced to meet him on the hills one afternoon martha saw him and the master walking towards fern's hollow where the fencing in of the green and of the coppice behind the hut were being finished rapidly and she crept with stealthy steps under the hedge of the garden until she came within earshot of them but they were just moving on and all she heard of the conversation were these words from the lord of the manor you shall have it at any rate you fix wily at a peppercorn rent if you please but i will not sell a square yard of my land out and out how martha and stephen did talk about those words over and over again and could never come to any conclusion about them it was about noon on michaelmas day a day which was of no note up at fern's hollow where there was no rent to be paid and martha was busily hanging out clothes to dry on the gorse bushes before the house when she saw a troop of labourers coming over the brow of the hill and crossing the newly enclosed pasture they were armed with mattocks and pickaxes but as the peaceful little cottage rose before them with blind old fern basking in the warm sunshine and little nan playing quietly about the door-sill the men gathered into a little knot and stood still with an irresolute and ashamed aspect they know nothing about it said william morris look at them as easy and unconcerned as lambs i was afeard there'd be an upshot when the master were after old fern so long i don't half like the job and stephen isn't here he does look a bit like a man and we could argue with him but that old man and that girl they'll take on so 
i say martha shouted a bolder-hearted man hasn't the master let thee know thee must turn out to-day he wants to lay the foundation of a new house and get the walls up afore the frost comes on and we're to come pick the old place to the ground he only told us an hour ago or we'd have seen thee was ready i don't believe thee thee's only romancing said martha turning very pale the old place is our own and no master has any right to it save stephen it's no use wasting breath replied william morris the master says he's bought the place from thy grandfather lass and he agreed to turn out by noon on michaelmas day master doesn't want to be hard upon you and he says if you've no place to turn into you may go to the old cabin on the upper cinder hill till there's a cottage empty in botfield and we'll help thee to move the things at once we're to get the roof off and the walls down afore nightfall grandfather and little nan screamed martha get into the house this minute it's no use you men coming up here on this errand you know grandfather's simple and he hasn't sold the house how could he he's no more sense than little nan no no you must go down to the works and hear what stephen says you're a pack of rascals every one of you and the master's the biggest and you'll all have to gnash your teeth over this business some day i reckon by this time the old man and the child were safely within the house and martha springing quickly from the wicket where she had kept the men at bay followed them in and barred the door before any one of the laborers could thrust his shoulder in to prevent her they held a consultation together when they found that no arguments prevailed upon her to open to them to which martha listened disdainfully through the large chinks but vouchsafed no answer come come my lass said william morris soothingly it's lost time and strength thee contending with the master i don't like the business but our orders are clear and we must obey them thee let us in and we'll carry the things down to the cinder hill cabin for thee if thee won't open the door we'll be forced to take the thatch off i won't answered martha not for the lord of the manor himself the house is ours and i wear any of you to touch it go down to stephen and hear what he'll say if thee takes the thatch off thee shan't move me out but when the old stove-pipe through which the last breath of the household fire had passed was drawn up and the blue sky could be seen through the cloud of dust and dirt with which the hut was filled choking the helpless old man and the frightened child martha's courage failed her and she went out with little nan clinging round her and spoke as calmly to the invaders as her rising sobs would let her you know it's grandmother's own house she said and the lord of the manor himself has no right to it but i'll go down and fetch stephen if you'll only wait we daren't wait martha answered morris kindly and it's no use lass the master's too many for thee but thee go down to stephen and we'll move the things safe as if they were our own and put them where they'll not be broken and we'll take care of little nan and thy poor old grandfather tell stephen we're desperately cut up about it ourselves but if we hadn't done it somebody that has no good will towards him would have taken the job so go thy poor ways with thee my lass we are main sorry for thee and stephen 
the hot choking smoke from the lime kiln was blown across the works and the dusty pit bank was covered with busy men and boys and girls shouting laughing singing and swearing when martha arrived at botfield she was rarely seen at the pit for her thrifty and housewifely habits kept her busy at fern's hollow and the rough loud voices of the banksmen the regular beat of the engine the clanking of the chains and the dust and smoke and heat of the almost strange scene bewildered the hillside girl she made her way to the cabin a little hut built near the mouth of the shaft for the use of the people employed about the pit but before she could see tim or fix upon any one to inquire about stephen from a girl of her own age but with a face sunburned and blackened from her rough and unwomanly work and an uncouth dress of sackcloth which was grimed with coal dust came up and peered boldly in her face why it's miss fern she cried with a loud laugh miss fern esquire of ferns hollow come to learn us poor pit folk scholarship and manners here lads here's mr stephen fern's fine sister as knows more nor all of us put together give us a bit of your learning miss fern i know a black bess when i see one replied martha sharply and all the boys and girls joined in a ready roar of merriment against bess thompson whose nickname was the common country name for a beetle that'll do they shouted she knows a black bess thee's got thy answer bess thompson what brought thee to the pit asked bess fiercely we want no scatter-witted hill girls here i can tell ye so get off the pit bank afore i drive thee off what's all this hullabaloo inquired tim making his appearance at the cabin door why martha what brings thee at the pit come in here and tell me what's up now tim listened to martha's tearful story with great amazement and indignation and after a few minutes consideration he told her he had nothing much to do and he would get leave to take stephen's place for the rest of the day so as to set him free to go home at once he left her standing in the middle of the cabin for the rough benches round it looked too black for her to venture to take a seat upon them and in a short time he shouted to her from a skep which was being lowered into the pit promising her that stephen should come up as soon as possible it seemed a terribly long time to wait amid that noise and dust and every now and then black bess relieved her feelings by making hideous grimaces at her when she passed the cabin door but stephen ascended at last very stern-looking and silent for tim had told him martha's business and he hurried her away from the pit-bank before he would even listen to the detailed account she was longing to give even when they were in the lonely lane leading homewards and she was talking and sobbing herself out of breath he walked on without a word passing his lips though his heart was sending up ceaseless prayers to god for help to bear this trial with patience poor old home there was all the well-used household furniture carried out and heaped together on the turf chairs and tables and beds looking so differently to what they did when arranged in their proper order the old man with his gray head uncovered was wandering to and fro in sore bewilderment and little nan had fallen asleep beside the furniture 
with a trace of tears upon her rosy cheeks but the house was almost gone the door sill where stephen had so often seen the sun go down as he rested himself from his labours was already taken up the old grate round which they had sat all the winter nights that he had ever known was pulled out of the rock and all the floor was open to the mocking sunshine it is a mournful thing to see one's own home in ruins and a tear or two made a white channel down the coal dust on stephen's cheeks but he subdued himself and spoke out to the labourers like a man i know it's not your fault he said and they stood round him making explanations and excuses but you know grandfather could not sell the place i'll get you to help me carry the things down to the cinder hill cabin the sheep and ponies are coming down the hill and there'll be rain afore long and it's not fit for grandfather and little nan to be out in it you'll spare time from the work for that ay we will cried the men heartily and submitting kindly to stephen's quiet directions they were soon laden with the household goods which were scanty and easily removed two or three journeys were sufficient to take them all and when the labourers returned for the last time to their work of destruction stephen took little nan in his arms and martha led away the old man while the sound of the pickaxes and the crash of the rough rubble stones of their old home followed their slow and lingering steps over the new pasture and down the hillside towards botfield End of chapter nine